You're listening to the one and only Real 45 Podcast. We talk about life, racing, and getting sideways. Hey, every day is a new day. How hard can it be? And now, your hosts are in the building, Greg Hancock and Stephen Junell. Well, welcome to the Real 45 Podcast. I'm uh, Greg Hancock, and uh, you are who, Steph? I'm Stefan Yunel. Uh, how are you again, Greg? I'm not bad, man. Good? I'm, I'm not bad. I'm sitting here in sunny California, and um, uh, kind of... Drinking Corona. Yeah, yeah, I'm drinking uh, plenty. It's the only thing that doesn't give me a virus right now, so I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that, but... <laughs> We're kind of we're kind of like self quarantine, but not nearly as self quarantine as the guy we have on the phone with us right now, Mr. Jason Crump. Welcome. Hey, Greg. Thank you, dude. Stefan, you have you ever met Jason face to face? Never. Never. Okay. Uh, no. Well, uh, I don't think so. Gotcha. Well, Stefan, meet Jason. Jason, meet Stefan. And uh... great to meet you, Stefan. I'm looking forward to a talk. Yeah, the same to you. Great to meet you. Well, Crumpy, I mean, we might as well dive straight into this, man. I mean, um, first of all, I, uh, I'm i impressed because you're in self-quarantine right now. Is that right? Yeah, I am, Greg. I, as you know, I went to the UK um, to get ready for the start of the season. Um, my first in 10 years there. So um, it was pretty exciting and got to the UK amongst all of this COVID-19 stuff that's going on around the world, making us all crazy at the moment, and um, actually only spent eight days there. Um, took the first opportunity to get back home uh, once the season was delayed and, and so forth. So I came, I arrived back in Australia one week ago today, and I'm in a self-isolation, a 14-day self-isolation mm-hmm. period at the moment. So getting pretty bored just hang, hanging out at home, but um, certainly better than being, it's, it's always better in times like this to be at home, I feel. No kidding, right? That's, none of us really know where this is all going. And um, obviously we can't travel from here either. Right now we're kind of stuck, but there's no place like home, no matter what you got going on when it gets to that's a, this kind of stuff. Yeah, that's exactly right. So um yeah, I, I jumped on a plane virtually as as soon as the season was cancelled over there. I think they uh, cancelled the wrong word, postponed. So as soon as they postponed it on the Tuesday, I, I did my press and practice day at Ipswich Wednesday and jumped on a flight Wednesday night after it had all finished and got home last Friday. Oh my god! Oh. So now, when now when you're self quarantined like this, dude, is it? Um, are you supposed to stay away from your family, or no? You can be with them and. It, we're we're in the house together, but I'm I'm basically down one end with my own bedroom and bathroom and and stuff. And you need to keep a one point five to two meter distance between everybody. So they sit at the table having having dinner, and I sit down the other end of the house and kind of oh. talk in a higher voice. Dude, <laughs> king of the castle. <laughs> so um, it's it's kind of funny, but um, yeah. Anyway, it, it's better to be two meters away from them than the other side of the world gotcha man well hey it's uh it's been an interesting run so far and i think we're still like the, the way they, they classified here in, in the u.s is we've got at least two to three more weeks of this stay at home uh, 
a situation and that's no guarantees if it's going to open up or if it's going to go on for another month or so but it's it's kind of weird they're not they're not too they're they're fairly relaxed about it right now but people are doing silly things you know so in the end you can feel every day they're they're getting a little bit harder on on what you can and can't do and i'm afraid that at some point we're going to be lucky to be in our front yard <laughs> yeah I, I agree um i think it's the unknown isn't it no nobody has the answers that we all want um we all want to know when it's going to finish um we all want to know when the main danger is going to be done but nobody nobody in the world at the moment seems to be able to do that because nobody knows so it's a big waiting game and it's frustrating for all people in in the world at the moment yeah or you guys have like stay at home in the countries uh, and the and the and the kids are they home from school too in australia yes everybody's um we're not on a full lockdown here um you know you you can still go to the shops freely and and so forth but interaction between people they want to keep that to a minimum um so we're uh-huh. we're not on a lockdown like they are in italy and poland for example but it's it's pretty tough here at the moment businesses are closing um yeah you know or see you know stopping work at the moment a lot of people are being laid off from their jobs so it's a tough time for the world so you all the stores and stuff are open i mean obviously food stores and what have you are diy but even clothing stores and, and coffee shops and all, are they still open too no they're they're pretty much closed here now everything's okay. pretty much closed gotcha oh, same i mean same here we're it's only grocery stores and and the do-it-yourself you know the home improvement centers that are open but um yeah they're really exercising trying to keep everybody that minimum of six feet away and uh, you know the media makes it out of control you know i think they're scaring people more than anything and people you know the, the even my neighbor well, i walked out of the house this morning to take the dog for a walk and there's a neighbor there was two houses down walking with her kids and she saw me and stopped and went across the street and walked on the other side of the street as if i was like an infected dude or something you know, it's like, oh shit okay. and i was like oh my god no way this is awesome and, uh, <laughs> So yeah, that, that's, that's probably a bit of an extreme, right? Yeah, and and they're but they're all out there, you know. And there's some that are way too relaxed about it, and some that are like, you know, that's yeah. There's something for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I actually tried to get a test done on Monday. Um, I, I rang my doctor and spoke directly with my doctor and asked him if I could go, go and get a test done, and and kind of said no, it's not an option at the moment because I've got no symptoms. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, just just from our point of view, our family point of view, although we're keeping our distance, we are still all under the same roof. So for, for our peace of mind, I would have loved to have got a test done and, and known for sure what the, what the outcome was. But mm. unfortunately, just now it's not an option. Wow. But those hem, home tests they have, Do they work at all, or I just are, seen that you can order them? You know what? Those I think most of those are a scam, Stefan. Oh, they are. Yeah, they're, yeah, there, um, there, there isn't anything that's really approved yet. That's there, there are the FDA has just approved some that are like you can get tested in forty five minutes, but I don't think they're available to just anybody. Um, uh, 
Well, they're, cer- they're certainly not available here to anybody. No, I don't think they are here either. That, that's more talk, but they they warn everybody about the scams, you know. <laughs> you and I could probably make a test too. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I did the same as you, Jason. I'm not, the kids brought home, you know, three, four weeks ago, the kids brought home a cold from school and it went through the house and I was the last one to get it and, and had a bad cough for, you know, four or five days and... And I finally thought, and that's right as they closed all the schools and everything. And I'm like, oh, man, did I get it? So oh. I, I went down to the, the local uh, 24-hour urgent care place here and just said, you know, I was feeling better, but the cough wouldn't go away. And I was like, listen, I, you know, I, I feel bad to be in here, but I just need to know if I should be away from everybody. And they checked my temperature and they listened to my lungs and everything was clear, even though I was still coughing a little bit. And they just said, you don't meet the qualifications for a test. So we recommend you just go home. Yeah. It's exactly what I had. I I got off the plane, had the weekend here. I felt fine and I still feel fine. And, um, I just, I just wanted to know for myself. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not an option, I guess. (laughs) I guess with the kits, they have to use them on people that they need to know so they can treat them in the hospitals. Gotcha. Gotcha. What about Sweden, Stefan? I mean, you guys, quite relaxed. I understand here. Right. Yeah, it's quite relaxed yet, I, I think. Not relaxed, but we're still going to school and we can still go and shop. But yeah, people are trying to get distance, but I think the the coolest thing I think is that people are getting creative. Uh, In again, what way? Uh, for example, my company is is doing a multi vendor platform for for the restaurants in the area, so they can connect and and uh, put the takeaway food, so people can can order them, and then we are cooperating with another uh, company or. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, yeah, like a company for for the town, uh, so they will will deliver the food for free. So people that are home hmm. and sick or whatever can get can order food and get it delivered home for free. Well, that's that's very Swedish, isn't it? Yes, uh, probably very, very efficient and and you know very practical. Yeah. Hmm. That's funny because now here that you can't even order, you can't order the foods and stuff. You can get all your mail and all your posts, but if you order like food from the grocery stores, the delivery time will give you like two weeks from now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I think this this is not the, the the grocery stores at all. It's just lunch, for example, from from a restaurant, so they can survive because they are they don't have any customers anymore. So we need, they, wow, they start to deliver to home, and then we need to just fix the platform for them. Man, see, that's, that's cool that you guys are, that they haven't done. I, I wonder if it's going to get, do you feel like, because you, didn't you work from home for a little while before you yeah. kicked off? Yeah, the whole company is working oh. from home. It's just me that, that's in the, in, the, in the office right now. Gotcha. So there are, people are still taking precautions anyway, even though the Yeah, absolutely, the, yeah. Open. Yeah, it's recommended right. that you do it, but uh, if you can. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Is uh, All right. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's how many cases does Sweden have 
as a country because it's it's a relatively small country, isn't it? And and countries like Sweden and Denmark that don't have huge populations, they you guys should be able to keep it a, a fair bit more under control. The same as Australia in that way, that we're a huge country in in land mass, but in mm-hmm. population we're very very small. So people don't need to be living on top of each other. Mm, true. Gotcha. Not like Italy, huh? It, yeah. Italy and Spain and the UK and and you know in Germany in some parts where there's a huge population in a small area that's when it becomes difficult to to keep it under control right yeah even here yeah, yeah. that's true i think it, it's right. it's harder in the in the bigger cities like stockholm they are they having more problems than we are than we have in Nortelia. it's seven, 70 kilometers mm-hmm. from from stockholm yeah yeah wow I, well, I heard also recently through through Jenny, one of her girlfriends, talking about the that she works in one of the hospitals too in Sweden, and she said that the the knock on effect if they close the schools and the kids come out, that means the parents have to be home with the kids, and if the parents are home with the kids, there are certain parents that they you know or certain people out there that they have to be concerned about because they might turn to turn to, to drinking a little bit at this time, and that could have a knock on effect. <laughs> you know, overall. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me? She's like, no, but I mean, there's all these things, these factors you have to factor in because people get bummed out and depressed. They're not working, they're not earning money and, and all the other things that, that, that could go with it. It, it can have a, a really bad effect. But yeah, then again, how do you, you don't want to spread this thing either. No, that's right. We've, we've got to try and, we've got to try and get life back to normal as quickly as possible for one for the economies of every country and two for people's sanity because with no hobbies and um you know no no pastimes you can't get out you know just a small sport like speedway it takes people from their home one day a week to give them an activity to do right yeah totally totally so i mean as far as that goes are you guys able to get out and go ride motorcycles there if you if you stay away from each other are they would they be hard on you for that no you, you, in australia you're not allowed to at the moment the our, our federation okay. motorcycling australia actually put a bulletin out uh, i guess it was tuesday because um seth was actually supposed to go testing on wednesday um my, mm-hmm. my dad was going to take him on wednesday for a test and it got cancelled on tuesday afternoon at four o'clock so Oh, every everything on that front at the moment in this country is off. Gotcha. Wow, man, what a the world we're living in today. So, um, what what should we say? I mean, you can see the coronavirus has taken over everything, and that wasn't the idea to have the chat with with you, dude. So, (laughs) I'm but it's given us a starting point. (laughs) Heck yeah, it has, right? I mean, it's it's always interesting, and. uh, but I, I want to dig into to Jason Crump now because, you know, I mean, in a matter of days that I announced that I was going to retire from Speedway, I get a little rumor in my ear that Jason Crump is going to make a comeback. And I was like, what? Yeah. And I, and I, went, and I, and no I way. you a message, Greg, and told you. You were one of you the did. people I told. Dude, and I, I'm very, I'm very honored that you did tell me that, and uh, I, I am, uh, I'm shocked, I'm impressed, and I'm really anxious to to see what you do in the world of speedway now because I have my thoughts on uh, 
how this is going to be. And I, I don't see anything but good, honestly, uh, all around for you, for the sport, for everything. And I, I'm, um, I have to say, dude, you, you, I'm overwhelmed. I think it's, it's fantastic and really good, really good for, for, for you and, and, uh, everything around it. I appreciate it, Greg. It was, it's funny how, how life works and how things change in your thought going back a little bit i when i stopped riding the first time i actually never planned to finish speedway completely if you remember i think again you were one of the first people i told that i was actually stopping riding that year and i told you in probably august at that stage i planned to stop riding in the grand prix only um right and then the way things worked out um as you know our kids are a little older than yours our daughter mia turns 21 this year and Seth's 17 in a couple of weeks oh Oh, man at that at that point um you know our kids were looking mia in particular was changing from she was going into high school and they they'd had a they'd had a pretty um I say a difficult life, but their schooling had never been straightforward because they'd traveled a lot and um, it almost came time that we had to look at, at what they would, what they needed as well. So all things put together, it, it was kind of the right thing for all of us at that time for me to stop. And we settled down here in Australia and, and the kids have, have both basically finished their school now. Seth's got some exams coming up later this year but he's he's pretty much done at the end of this year so um yeah so the the riding side the return to racing i i normally get a couple of semi serious offers every year and chris louis sent me a message i'm kind of in in contact with chris louis on and off every year anyway so um kind of ran it by me and um I didn't think too much of it. And then I got a phone call to go to Perth at the end of January to, to do some racing. And I hadn't been on a bike, on a speedway bike for a long, long time. And I, I jumped on a plane and went over, had a couple of good days there with Steve Johnson. Jono caught up with him and, and everything and hung out with Woofie and the boys and rode in a couple of meetings and actually probably surprised myself a little bit and went, you know, won a few races and, Obviously didn't beat Ty, but um, led him to the first turn once, I think. And I was pretty happy with that. By the time I got home a couple of days later, I had Chris was kind of on the phone to me, putting the hard word and and things got serious really quickly. And um, it felt right and it feels right to do it. And and I'm excited about it. It's going to be a different sort of... um, uh, how do you say it? You, you, you will understand this, Greg. I'm, I don't want to be world champion again. Um, I, I don't want to go through all of that stuff. And to, to I don't understand to, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, you know, just to be committed to a team, it's like going back. It is honestly like going back to the first time you go to Europe when everything's new, everything's fresh. You don't know what to expect. And I think I'm really lucky to be able to to get that feeling again and to go and, you know, if, if you look back at your racing, um, 
I bet some of the best years and most enjoyment you had and the fun you had was when it first started and you weren't under huge pressure every time to go out and score 14 points. And, you know, you, you know the days. You go to Poland, you're half, you're half knackered, and you look at the program mm-hmm. and you've got Thomas Golub, you've got Greg Hancock, and you've got Yara Campbell to race against. And you're under pressure to score 14, 15 points that day. I, I don't want my speedway to be like that. Of course, I'll still put pressure on myself, but I want to go to Ipswich and, if, and score as many points as I can. But I also want to be much more involved with the team side of it. They've got a good bunch of young riders there and a couple of guys with some experience. But I want to be, a, I want to be the guy that, that the younger fellas come to after, after the race and, and talk to me about what, what happened or what they want to do or what they're trying to achieve in the next race. I, I think it's going to be really cool. Dude, that's a, it's a, like I just said, it's a win-win all around. Cause I, hearing what you just said there gave me goosebumps when you said about that feeling of first coming over to Europe and not knowing what to expect and how it's going to go. And you're, you're excited, nervous, but like, wow, this is cool. And, those those years are the years that I, I remember most in my career. Probably this first seven years of my racing in Europe are the, the most that stick in my mind constantly. And that's probably just part of life and growing up and all those learning days. Then it becomes repetition for so much and the constant improvements that you're putting on yourself. But yeah. hearing what you just said there, starting all over, and you have that feeling. Dude, that's phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, I, I went to the press date which last Wednesday. And honestly, I was as nervous as the first press day I went to Peterborough in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, and man. it was, you know, yeah. How do you get that stuff in your life? It's, you know, sometimes you've got to step out of what's comfortable to get it. And um, I certainly did that day. I, it, was, it was pretty tough for, for the first half an hour or so. But then, you get, you know. Like you said before, we you get into the swing of things, you see people that you recognise, you know, and the conversation starts. So it was it was a pretty cool day. Man, it's it's uh, you know it's really cool, and the more people talk about it, I mean, you're becoming quite the talk of the town right now on the world speedway front, as you you probably realise yourself. But like, you've gone from you know you've been away from is it seven years? Yeah, seven or eight years. Seven or eight years. And Steph and I were talking about this earlier, yeah, huh? Yeah. But, and like, yeah. It, it sounds like it's like, because when you look at speeders, riders, it feels like it's the dream job. You work with something that is really funny every day. But then again, it comes, it becomes a work, isn't it? Yeah, it, it does. And that's, you know, that's that's when it becomes tough and you you will well no job's easy. No. It doesn't matter what you do. No job's easy. You you put time and effort and you know, it it gradually it becomes the main focus of your life at, at different points. And um you know, you as a as a speedway rider it's a very different job than most because there was times in my career I know that um, you know you could you could race twelve times in fourteen days, and you know it's 
that becomes tough and that becomes very, very draining mentally. And at the time you do it because the, the calendar says or your diary says that you're racing here today and there tomorrow and somewhere else the next day. And all of a sudden it's two weeks later and, and you know, you just, it's just tough. I can see. Yeah, because those 12 or 13 or 14 days you were talking about weren't just up and down the street. They were, you know, you were country hopping. Yeah. <laughs> how many, how many times in a week? So it was, and uh, you, pro- you probably had the same moments that I've had too. And you, you wake up some mornings and you, I woke up in a panic one morning. I've, t- I've told Stefan this story, but I literally woke up in a panic one morning because in a hotel room and I, I didn't know where I was. And I like, I jumped up and I, I just, I freaked out and I ran to the window and I opened the, the shades really fast and looked out the window and I was looking at the E4 motorway towards Stockholm. It was in that airport hotel by the Arlanda airport. Yeah. And I, and I suddenly I, then I realized I'm like, I'm in Sweden. <laughs> okay. I'm in Stockholm. And then it all came back. And I mean, that's, I only have that one time that I really, really got stressed because I was, I woke up and I didn't know where I was but like, I was so tired, you know, so run down and you're from A to B. And, and like you just said there, I don't, I think people don't really, maybe they don't really get to fathom that. No, they don't. <laughs> and, you know, I, I guarantee you that at, at seven o'clock that night, you were probably racing again, right? Yeah. Yeah. Back yeah. in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, uh, it, it's crazy. You know, the, what you just said there too, about that, you know, the, the, the constant pressure that you get, and you want to go out there and you want to race for the points, like you're saying for Ipswich. And I, I think I know you pretty well that um, we both, both of us can say that we know that's total bullshit. Because <laughs> <laughs> Jason, Jason is a racer and Jason is a winner. And even though he's telling us this right now, it, it doesn't matter. He is not going to come home from one race if, I hope it doesn't happen, if he comes home and has an off night he's not going to sleep that great because he's going to go, how can I make this better tomorrow? Yeah, I, <laughs> and, uh, and it's going to start. That's just a constant. Yeah, I'm, and I'm sure you're right. Um, um, but, you know, you, again, as, as you learn when you get older, um, some days you can ride three bikes and you get the same result on all three of them because you just didn't give them the right instruction. And, you know, I... You, as you look back at the at some of the things that I know I did, I, you know, I, mm. I think, you know, probably eighty percent of the, eighty percent of the things that went wrong for me in my racing was due to, probably fatigue and, you know, just just basically not being in the right frame of mind. the the way the the way that my calendar works this year and the way the the championship league runs in the uk it's it's so structured it's a monday and a thursday night um it's it's a great way to do it and you've got time between your races and i'm not jumping on a plane on a tuesday morning to fly to vetlanda to to race sweden tuesday night and i don't have to come in from poland on a monday morning to race at Ipswich on a monday night and that's really exciting for me to think that i'll be able to go Mm. to all of the meetings that i'm that I plan to ride in without having to have been on mm-hmm. a plane the day before. That's actually pretty, that's a pretty exciting thing to think about. 
hey, that that is pretty cool, you know. And I obviously I'm I'm fairly new at officially calling it a day for my competitive racing, but I, those are some of the things that I think about. Like I I don't have to wake up and be there. And I, not that that was never a problem in my career. I think it's more in, in recent years that the demand has gone up so much for, for um, what do you want to say, for competitiveness, for, for being good, for scoring points, for being there, for doing this, for doing that. There's so much that goes involved in these professional contracts, as you know yourself, even in, in your late years uh, before you called it a day before, before that you've got to do so much. And then, you know, I mean, obviously times are tough and the payments are getting pushed down. And the hard part is that, you know, we, we spent so many years of our career uh, doing a lot of deals that were a lot of handshake deals. And they were they were honored quite often. You know, they always went really well. And then it feels like the more and more contract issues, the contracts that come in that <laughs> sometimes you get to the point where you feel like, the contracts are only made to be broken. <laughs> you know, you feel like it's like they're you, I got so frustrated because you've always did your part. You always work hard. You always do what you got to do. And we've both been in the situation where the other party hasn't performed or done their part. And you suddenly go like, why did I even have a contract? Because there's nothing there that really is protecting me uh, in that sense. But maybe that's the business side of it that we, you have to be a little bit further. Yeah. Ahead. I mean, at the end, at the end, last time in 2012, um, I, I had a major problem with with my Polish contract. At that time, um, the club mm. I was racing for had been absolutely fine to me. For I was on a two year contract with them. Um, the mm -hmm. the only the only payment that they didn't make was the last one, and and that was a that was a huge one, you know, and it, and it just. There was no support from the federation. There was no support from anybody. Um, uh, you know, we, we lost a vehicle through it. Um, um, just and and as you said, that was a contract that was a bloody fifty-page contract with more rubbish written in it than you could ever imagine. And when <clears throat> when it came to it, the only person, the only side of it that was protected was the actual promote the, the speedway club in Poland and and of course they win so all of all of that stuff is you know that that left a very very bad taste in my mouth especially towards Polish speedway and the way that that all happened at the end of my first career and um it certainly didn't it didn't want it didn't make me feel like I wanted to go back and do league racing the following year Those are the things that uh, I hear you and I feel you and I know you and I talk about this in the day because I went <laughs> went to that exact same club where you had issues with and you even gave me a few warnings about it. Even though it's different promotion, there's always people involved, right? And uh, um, yeah, I ended up on the, the wrong end of that side too, um, twice. And um, yeah, it's a shame because you, you leave, it does leave a bad taste in your mouth and you think man, you know, all the years that I did so many deals with a handshake and something on a piece of paper and it was all cool, but suddenly you've got a 50-page contract that really it doesn't say anything except um, come and ride if you want. <laughs> and uh, um, once you sign it, you have to come, but that doesn't mean we have to reward yeah, you for what you earned. that's exactly right. I mean, that, that, was, that was 
that was how it worked and you know that it was that was kind of bad for for us and everything but you know the some some of the deals that you do do i mean you remember uh the late john perrin from bellevue you know everybody in the uk classed him as a rogue promoter i rode for him for five years and i think the only time i had a contract was the first year i rode for him other other than that other than that you just buddy shake his hand and you know he'd he'd moan and whinge about the deal you'd done with him and you know every every week you got your paycheck <laughs> off him he he was he was that sort of guy he was Gosh. a northerner um swore like a sailor smoked drank did all of that stuff and and he was a he was a handshake <laughs> sort of guy no kidding I, I, it's I think we're both, you know, the, the good times outweigh the bad most of the time, you know, when you oh, think without about the outbreak, like, you know, it's, but, it's some of the, the situations yeah. you put in at the time, you do the best you can with them and, um, and move on. That's awesome. That's really but, awesome. Dude. I mean, it's just, just to hear, uh, everything going there. I, I was telling Stefan earlier, I said, I was, when I heard you were coming back, I was hoping you're going to call and ask if I would be your manager, you know, if you wanted to get back into the GP and we could get going, but I can hear now that, um, you know, you're yeah, pretty well organized. It, yeah. It, and it, and it goes along Greg with, with what I said about, you know, at different stages of your life, different things suit you to do them and suit you and your family and, and the way things work out. So it's, um, you know, it's no secret. My, my son Seth road races and he's signed a contract to race in British Superbike this year for, for a team. And it's, you know, the, the future for us, I guess, in the, in the next few years is going to be in the UK. Dude, that's awesome. So this is, this is where I wanted to come to now. Like over the last seven years, what have you been doing, man? Getting old, getting older. <laughs> um, <laughs> right on. That's cool. No, we, <laughs> I mean, our, our daughter was, you know, she was, go, like I said, going into high school and then she, she was doing her horsey stuff for probably three or four years. And, um, you know, that was, that was a good hobby. And then all of a sudden through another friend of ours, um, Seth, Seth decided he'd have a go on a road racing bike one day. And on the way home from the track the first day, he said, well, we, we better get a bike, Dad. We better, we better start to do this. <laughs> I, I thought that. You know, he, yeah, of course, he'd always had motorcycles and ridden a little bit, um, did a little bit of go-kart driving when we first came back and never really, never really had any great passion for it. Just did it because, did the go-karts because his best buddy from school, he still, he drove go-karts very successfully and he's in the, he's developed through the the go-kart scene and into the supercars the australian supercar series he's one level down from the the top ladder now so he's he's doing that and seth just seemed to do the go-kart so he could hang out with his buddy most weekends but the the (laughs) motorbikes were straight away the motorbikes were a bit different to him so he yeah he's he started racing we did a lot of practicing and a lot of training and he yeah he started to race and you know he rides he rides pretty decent to be honest with you he goes pretty good and he's very committed to it and and it's great to see dude that's rad and uh, 
He's 17 in a couple of weeks, yeah. Wow. Right on. So how does this work then? I mean, you're obviously you're coming back to race in the UK. Is that um, that's going to be good for him? How many races is he going to be doing in in Europe then for the or or in Britain uh, for the, have, this championship? The, the British Superbike Series has twelve rounds. The Class D rides in do not compete at all of the rounds, so he has eight rounds to do this year in the UK. Okay. And how, let's see, now I have to think about your time frame and school and all that kind of stuff. So he's, but he's, uh, you guys are coming into your winter yes. season so now, he's, right? So school started, uh, he's in his final year. So um, he goes to a pretty good school and they've been very, very accommodating with his racing. And they're aware that, um, that he needs to do some trips to Europe. So he's not, he, he won't be based in the UK full time, although the way things are working now, there's a chance that he will do the majority of his schooling based in the UK, just doing it all online. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. pretty cool, though. Hey, the, the, the kids were at the same school when we when we were actually living in Linköping and Vetlander. They they did a lot of school um, via, via email at that time as well, or online schooling through the school in Australia. So they've been at that school oh, since they were... Cool. Both kids started going to that school. So same school all the way through junior school, middle school, and then into high school, the way the system works here. So, um, yeah, so the school knows quite well two kids through there, and um, they're very accommodating. So he will have a couple of trips to make home. But mm. as I said, the way this corona's turning out, maybe, you know, maybe there's quarantine periods are going to be in place for or self-isolation periods will be in place for a little while. So um, we just have to wait and see what happens with that. Yeah, yeah I hear you. I guess that's kind of the case for everything, right? We don't even know how the all the Grand Prix and all the leagues are going to fare right now. I think it's all I, kind of I, just up I in the air. I can make a prediction right now of how I think it's going to turn out. I think that I think that the majority of the riders will have to choose a country that they're going to race in because – I believe that Poland will keep a 14-day isolation period in place even when they do open the borders up again. Um, mm. I, I think that most countries in Europe will probably do the same thing to stop a lot of the inter-European travelling, you know, which happens on a daily basis. Um, right. So that's... Mm, yeah, that's possible, that right? So is going to make it very, very tough for some of the speedway leagues. I haven't heard this. It's just what I'm presuming is going to happen. Um, I think that the majority of the highest level riders will try and base themselves in Poland, obviously for their, for the majority of their income. But for example, I think maybe yeah. there's a few of the top bigger names that race in the UK as well. And of course, Sweden. The, the leagues in, in those mm -hmm. two places may struggle to get their absolute top riders in and out of the countries without having to do any isolation periods. You, you got a point there, man. Uh, everything, uh, these kind of things, the hard part is like if you, you got a lot of the top guys who have contracts in Poland. And then you have a lot of guys who are also, you know, uh, we just say guest riders or reserve riders for the teams. So th this is where it gets really interesting, right? So if you, maybe you're a, you're a, a second rider or, or um, you know, you're, you're just on the list on the group or um, 
for a team in Poland, but you've got a guaranteed contract in Sweden or a guaranteed contract in England. Now, pretty much Poland is just going to have to say, well, they can't really pay their guys just to stay there and not ride. So you're going to have to choose now to hop out of that team. So there's going to have to be a, a little bit of an opening in this contractual thing that you can go if you're just going to choose and go ride in England uh, because you can't be guaranteed a race in Poland or you're going to have to choose your spot in the UK and could be good for all the leagues in one sense because maybe riders, yeah. I actually think it's one of the problems that's happened with Speedway over the years. Um, I was going to ask you this question, so perfect. I remember um, (laughs) going back to the early mid 90s when I first started to get rides in in different leagues um you were already an established rider so you remember we went we were we were I rode at getting Dana I think you and Joe screen were there right and I was the reserve rider so when you had to go back to America or when he couldn't make a meeting I came in and did a couple of meetings but we were two foreigners in the team right and then the rest were was all Mm -hmm. Swedish I think a year or two after yep. that, it went to to one foreigner per team. And really That's the right. only riders that were getting the rides in, in the Swedish league were six Swedish riders, or five Swedish riders. I think they were allowed one other Scandinavian and then one from anywhere in the world, right? So it boosted yep. the number of Swedish riders that were racing at a at a high level. All of a sudden, if mm-hmm. you put four or five riders from outside of Sweden into your team, yeah, you may have a better team, but it doesn't help Swedish Speedway at all, does it? No. Absolutely not. And look where Swedish Speedway probably, is today. Probably had better times. Yeah. They have, they have zero kids coming up. And not even enough to make full leagues. I, I had a couple of meetings with Spamo over the last couple of years too, and uh, the same thing. Trying to, what can we do? I've offered support. You know, what can I do to help? And how can, you know, give some ideas about what they should do with their Al Svenskan league? You know, the, the yeah. like the first division, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. And how cool would that be to make that an all it Swedish should, it league? Should be. So no, no, it should be right. But you know what part of the answer was? Yeah. Well, we don't have enough riders. They've been through that in the UK, haven't they? You know, or they're going through that in the UK yeah. right now, with with this this mm. doubling up rule. Now, it if you actually look at it, in the UK they've got forty riders for sixty five jobs. You know. Oh. So gosh. instead of, well, instead of the only way they can really do it is there's a whole bunch of riders who are the top medium to top riders in the, in the second division that also go into the, into the top league as middle, middle to lower order riders. So it works out great mm-hmm. for them because they're getting double the amount of work and, and obviously double the amount of pay with, with staying in the UK, but they need to, it's, as you said, the, with no riders coming through, there's no new riders to fill the places. You know, you, you think about it when when I first started there, like you, you basically had to perform or there was a chance that there would be another two or four, two, 
to four point average rider who could come in and do a, a, the same job or a better job than you. Now the the positions the positions are difficult to fill for the promoters. Yeah, pretty true, and, right? And that yeah. comes down to things that have happened by lots and lots of foreign riders coming into different leagues at different times. Of course, Sweden want to have the best riders they, that they can have in the top league. But if you're bringing a, a five-point rider from the UK to put into your team, that just effective, effectively takes a young Swedish guy out of a job. So true. Dude, it's... Uh, there, there are so many things that factor into this now and I mean that having the groups or the or the the squad systems now that they have um, and even in Sweden alone you know they 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 kind of have an unwritten rule or a handshake rule in Sweden that each team has to have I think it's three riders three Swedish riders in the team but by law I guess with all this uh, you know European Union clauses and stuff from the past they can't really say that you can't have foreign riders in the team anymore right so yeah. They uh, they try to all abide by having only having three minimum three riders that are Swedish in the team, but there's always one who presses the limit because he says, "Oh, I don't have another Swede that'll fit in, so I have to use this Danish guy or this Polish guy or this English guy or 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 this American if there was one." And um, it it really makes things yeah, difficult. It, it does make things difficult, but this. It's not going to get better without enforcing it, unfortunately, is it? No, no, not at all. And I, I, I th- also believe that the, in one way, this the way things are going in Poland now too. Like they've created such a, a big league. I mean, it's it's pretty awesome what they're doing. You can see where they're going. They're they're developing a huge, uh, f- football style, uh, speedway league. You know, so everybody wants to be in that top league. But there's only enough room for so many guys. And once you're there, I mean, unless you sign up to be in their squad, then you're kind of at their mercy too, right? So if they call you, you have to be there. And um, even if it kind of overlaps with another league, if you say that, you know, your number one league is in England, then that takes preference. But then they don't want you, you know, they they really want you to say your number one league is Poland, so they've kind of got you there. So uh, in one way, I think eventually the riders will – maybe they'll wisen up in one way and make, you know, all the, a lot of the top guys can go take Poland on, but suddenly if each league, the league in Sweden could do exactly what you're saying now. And the league in England could do, you're a fresh start for the UK. Now coming back at, you know, a guy of, with, of your stature, your, your achievements, your history, your everything brings a lot to the market, I think. And by doing so, you know, guys can't get a ride in, in Poland because there's no place for them. So go back to the UK. Maybe this is the chance for the UK to really capitalize on the situation and do whatever they got to do to build this and make it one of the best leagues in the country yeah, in, the, I, in the world again. If, if you're, Same as Sweden. If you're Daniel Bewley, okay, he's got a, mm-hmm. a guaranteed mm-hmm. spot in the Bellevue team every week. Yet in Wrocław, mm-hmm. he has... No guaranteed spot. He basically has to, if he's performing well, or I think there's one spot between two riders, himself and the Russian boy, um, Chuganov, Gleb. Um, Mm. Now, if 
if there's a travel if there's travel restrictions on because of coronavirus and Daniel Bewley has to go into a 14-day self-isolation period if he goes to Poland, he's not going to be available. Yeah. For, well, surely he wouldn't put himself in a position where he's going to base himself in Poland on the chance of getting a ride in maybe every second meeting. He would okay. have to look at it and say, "Exactly, I'm guaranteed a spot in the Bellevue Aces team every Monday night. And every Thursday, we've got an away match. So he's got to go and do that. Dude, that's uh, just like you just said there, your your prediction on this whole thing, that this could be the key to how it all works if the season yeah, does I'm, kick I'm off. I'm pretty confident. I, I hope uh, anyway, because I, I, I'm excited to go and race and if if the season can start around june time then i think it'll be it'll be all good obviously once you get past june july that that july august time you're getting towards probably too far gone to run as a structured season maybe they can put something in place to to run a, a smaller program i don't know but um i i hope for the sake of speedway in the uk that that they can get something on and for that matter speedway in the world that you know poland sweden denmark all the countries that have leagues and and put racing on i hope that at some point this year they can kick start their programs and and run some sort of season exactly that would be cool i can hear that uh stefan's i can hear that the clock's ticking in stefan's mind no. too because stefan doesn't have a huge speedway background but He's recently been invited to the board in Rose Pigana in Sweden to be on their board and help them to um, to grow the, their new team and their new uh, association there. So I, I, I'm sure that he's probably excited to have contact with you now and just at least. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah well, we, we wrote that. It's a we potential. Maybe I can convince well, didn't we? Yeah, we went. I told Stefan earlier, I said you and I went there yeah, and it was a 94, 95 right? Five time, wasn't it? Yeah, right there. I Maybe mean, it was '95 when we went the first time when we took over. That's after yes. pair after pair's injury, and they yep, were really right. we the won. club, huh? Mm. Yeah, we had a heck of a run, man. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Stefan, this you know this is a good start yeah. for you. We just need to get the right riders then. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's easy. We, we had a, <laughs> no. we had a great team as well, didn't we? A great bunch of guys and and. Um, it was it was a hugely successful time for for the club. Yeah, it was great, right? It was. Um, we had some shoes to fill because they had Tony Richardson had left, and Perry Onsen's career had come to a sad end at that stage. And um, so we were we were out there doing everything we could to try to give them some light. Boy, yeah. it sure turned yeah. out pretty damn good. <laughs> So it was, uh, we definitely got some good times, man. And I mean, you know, something like this could, you know, the stories could go on and on. Cause Stefan's like, Hey man, do you have any good fun facts about Jason we can talk about? And I'm like, Shoot. Oh my gosh, where do you want to yeah. start? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. we, we bumped in, we traveled a lot together. We raced, we raced obviously in a lot of meetings together. We were teammates at different times and, and, and rivals at different times, but it's, um, it's easy to say that, you know, um, nothing really changed our relationship through the time. And, you know, there's, there's really only a few other riders that, that I could say that about, um, you know, Tony Ricardson was one, um, 
the relationship never changed at all. Um, you know, and one day again, I'll see Tony and enjoy having a beer with him and, and talking rubbish and, um, the same as with you, Greg, you know, um, I look forward to it one day sitting down with you and, and talking about the old times again. Hey, likewise, man. Well, I use, I, I use you out of, uh, I'm the same. I, I'm, I'm so, because we've had so many great years together and no matter if we've had a, a time, tough time on the track or whatever, and had a few words, we've always finished up, uh, being friends because that's yeah, just, and that's, it was and that's racing, the thing. Right? I mean, you don't race, and, you um, don't compete with somebody for twenty years, and trying to win the biggest prize in the sport without having some having some words at different times. But it's you know, I think jeez, I can't even think when we actually had words. But um, you know, it's not the same. It's not actually the same with, <laughs> yeah. with everybody that you race against, clearly. And, um, you know, <laughs> there, there, are, there are a few that, um, there are a few through the course of my career that, that the, the words were very minimal and never really uh, went beyond a heat of the moment thing that was forgotten about within five minutes. <laughs> Well, dude, that's, I think I've probably got a few of those too, you know, and um, I will say that there's, when I, when I help, you know, trying to help some of the youngsters and especially somebody like Luke Becker or even Magic Janowski and those guys over the years that there's four riders that I use as examples uh, in my racing career who I highly respect for various different reasons. And uh, that, that is yourself, this Eric Gunderson it's Thomas Golub and it's Tony Rickardson. And it's uh, whenever I try to teach somebody how to, to race and to be ready and to be ready for an attack. And you always got to be ready for any situation that is Jason Crump. And I said, you know, all you have to do is look at his, his riding style. When he comes into the corner, when he comes into the corner, he's ready for anything and he's ready to attack and he's ready for uh, plan B and he's ready for, um, you know, just, just setting the pace and he's, Gung ho! If you're gonna if you're gonna throw elbows with him, you better be ready for an elbow coming back. That he'll always be fair to you. He'll always leave your room and he'll race you to the finish line. And um, the guy's got you know um, three individual world championships, not including his under twenty one, to prove it. And his determination, he just never ever gives up. And that's uh, that's one example of one guy. And they've all got something else. But you know, pretty wide that, range Greg, there, dude. You know, it means a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I, well, I know that when I was racing, you know, there was, there was different times when you have a main rival at the Grand Prix that you've got to raise your game against at different times. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I appreciate what you said because I know I gave everything I had to beat the, the guys that you mentioned, obviously I never got to race against Eric, but um, have a huge amount of respect for him. But um, Thomas and Tony, I mean, when, when Thomas came on the scene, he was, he was a little bit of a, he, he was a guy that um, everybody wanted to steer clear of. And, you know, we were all, I, I say I was scared of Thomas, <laughs> but you know, he was, he was unpredictable in, in racing situations. Um but through it all, I mean, through his, throughout his career, he, he developed into somebody that you could race, you know, two centimetres from for four laps at 
high speed and be very, very confident that you weren't going to get anything that wasn't unexpected. And, um, you know, the same goes for yourself and the same always went for Tony. And, you know, the, the, the level that I think the level that we raced each other at at different times um, was exceptionally high. And, and I'm proud to be, I was proud to be involved in some of those battles with you guys. And, and you, Likewise, and you look back dude. at it and you, it's, uh, you know, you, yeah. you think about it all and, you know, we, we, we were probably fortunate, Greg, as well, because in, when our careers started, I mean, you were a few years before me, but we, ha- we also had a, a very, very good bunch of guys, um, you know, that, that, were the, that were the big, that were the so superstars true. of the time. You know, Hans was, Hans was a trendsetter in his own era, in his own way. I mean, he was, he was the ultimate professional on and off the track. I mean, he, he also wasn't scared to hang you, you know, to, to, take your room away from you if you needed to um but you you always do that you you weren't probably going to get a whole lot left with hands if you kept going in a certain situation um you know but a a great guy i mean you know i raced a lot of grass track and long track and i raced against simon wig and i was friends with simon for a long time and you know the help and i I just remember like when i when i bought my first house for example you know it was really proud and excited because I just bought a house and and Simon came to me one day and came around to my place and sat down with me for an hour or two and, and said right now you've got your house of what insurance have you got what have you got for this what have you got for that and you know help help me get help me to understand that I needed all these other things in place you know to to be organized and to be to to make sure I was doing everything right and um yeah it's dude that's things like that that you remember and you know i i i feel fortunate got you know there's two guys i mean hans and simon were were two huge guys pear and jimmy nielsen were also huge helps to me through my career and i consider myself fortunate to to have been able to have people like that that helped me in in not just in my early days but actually through my career i mean i'm i'm still in touch with pear i'm not probably not as much as what I should be but um yeah you don't get yeah you don't forget those people that helped you in the in the early stages of your career it's it's the people like are there still guys like that now that is still racing that helps that do this thing I know that you do Greg but now when you stopped racing is there anyone that can take that role Well, um, you know, it's a, it's a different era. It's a different breed. And like Jason just summed it up there because the group of guys that we were back in that period, Speedway was so different um, for numerous reasons. We did so much together, so much traveling together. One day you were, uh, you were, you were buddies and you were teammates and the next day you were against each other, but you traveled to the same event together and, you hung out in, in, in the UK because we, a lot of us all were based there for a lot of years together. And today it's like, I, I feel like the demand for performance and, and success is so high from a lot of the teams and a lot of things that go on that uh, teams really don't want you to be friends <laughs> either. Oh. And um, in one sense, but 
you the camaraderie between riders is 100% is not the same that it was during our periods without a doubt. So I don't know how much these guys share amongst each other. What, what I see from the sides is, you know, even I use Luke Becker as an example a lot that he's, I feel bad for that guy. He's going to Europe and he's the only, the good things that he's got going for him is he's got Pete Adams in his corner who is like, you know, he, he is one of those guys who paved the way for guys like Jason and I, for instance, during that era. And, and he looks after the kid and he gives him the advice that he needs. If he didn't have Pete Adams, I, I would hope that he would find another a good person. I, Jason and I are both really good friends with like Gordon Pearman and someone like that who can basically give you the right advice and is always kind of like a little angel watching over you. Otherwise, I feel like a lot of these guys are are don't want to give yeah. up too much because you are yeah. your competition. Yeah. I, I no matter what it is, no matter what it you, is, it's it's a different era, and the attitude of um, you know, Todd, Wolfie's done a great job because he's also got Pete Adams, you know, helping him, and and Pete, I'm sure, has been a, a huge part of his success on and off the track. And, um, exactly, Pete. Yeah, it's 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 just different now. It's it's like you said, you know, like um to, I'll give you an example of it of where all this stuff I believe how it all started with the riders becoming more rivals and, and you know, I don't say dislike each other, but Tony and I rode at Torren as teammates in two thousand and three and our mm-hmm. our club we were both on the same aeroplane to Gdansk every week for our home or every time we had a home match. They sent two cars, one for him and one for me. We, were, we were on the same aeroplane <laughs> to the same airport going to the same venue. Oh, and, my gosh. You know, he's got a car and I've got a car come, come to pick us up. After about three weeks, I said to Tony, mate, what, what's the story with this? Like, And he just laughed. He said, well, I've got no idea. And from that point on, you know, we said you don't need to send two cars. You know, you can just send us a car. And, you know, sometimes my mechanic could drive us back or his mechanic could drive us back. And and we were fine with that, you know, and we were teammates in that team. But the next day yeah. we're racing, he's racing for Poole, I'm racing for Bellevue, and then go to Sweden a couple of days later, I'm racing for whoever, Norshipping or Vagana or Vatlander and he's racing for Marsana. We're we're racing again, but it it didn't really make any difference. But it's it's um (laughs) the the drive. Yeah, I I agree with what you said. It's they're trying somewhere along the line to turn people into enemies rather than just competitors. And I think that I think that we were probably, as I said earlier, fortunate that because of the guys that we learned from, they were not like that. The era was different. So we were able to maintain what we'd learned very early on in our career and carry that through with us. So, so what's, what's your uh, expen- expectation, expectations, <laughs> you know, uh, at 20 expectations, exactly on 2020 or who are you going to be? Can you, are you going to be like that when you when you get back racing now, or 
Are you going to be no, a competitor? No, I'm, I'm going to be exactly the same as what I was. I mean, the only time that somebody is, is a competitor is when the tapes go up. Um, for sure, I'm, I'm, yeah. going, I'm going to try and race as hard as I possibly can. And um, But that doesn't have to carry on to half an hour later when the races are all over and you see you see the guy in the dressing room you can you can still talk to him right exactly i i tell you what that number six and number seven and the ipswich team when they heard that jason crump signed up i bet those dudes do yeah well each other I, and just I hope bingo. So. um both both of those guys um well drew camp in particular i spent some time with him in australia and he seems like a really good kid and um I'll tell you who else I was hanging out with a bit. Greg was uh, Brock Nickel. I, I was down at Hagen's using their workshop because they kindly supplied me the bikes. Martin and Martin Hagen and his family have been backers of mine since, well, for so long, I couldn't even tell you how long. Um, and and Brock was down there. Right I was using his workshop, actually, to, to put my bikes together and um, spend a day with him there. And he seemed like a really good kid as well. Yeah, he's he's a real down to earth yeah. dude, and you know you yeah. remember his his dad too, Uncle Doug, from back in the day, you know, and and they, I mean they they put they put a lot into that kid, and they work really hard, and and um, have really tried to give him all the tools that he needed, you know, and and um, he's he's doing well. He you know he seems like it every year, like all these kids, they mature a little bit more, and they they're finding the way, and uh, you know sometimes you want to have a good time, and sometimes you know when it's time to work hard, so between Brock and Luke Becker, you know, it, it's great for American Speedway. These guys are giving us the, they're, they're the light at the end of the tunnel yeah, and for what American about, Speedway. What about Wilbur? Because I see he's racing, he's still on the 250, right? Yeah, one more year on the 250. And, um, man, he's, it's scary, Crumpy. He's so into it, and he is so <laughs> in, in not what me way? at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, you know, the only okay. way he is like me is that he really loves Speedway. And uh other than that, he wants to do it his way and it's, you know, I'm the kind of guy who I don't like to boast about things too much and I kind of just I want to do everything on the track. No, he wants to do everything and I always remind him like, remember, yeah. it's okay to do that, but yeah, you got to back well... it up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but he does. He does really good and he's so solid and he's he suddenly realized how important it is to for training too. So he's he's got he's got all the tools and he's finding his way, but he's clever too. He stands back and listens a lot and picks up so much information. And he was dying to be on this podcast with you. He was wanted to sit in on this so bad. And I said, No, you can't. Why not? And I said, No, you can't. We'll do we'll sit and talk with Jason another time, but not on the podcast because I know that he would have taken it over. <laughs> oh, that's good. I, I love his I love seeing his posts. I I, I get a laugh out of him all the time. <laughs> it's it's good. He's he's an awesome kid. Of course I'm biased, but you know, as you would be with yours, but he loves Speedway, dude. So I, I don't think he's going uh, yeah, anywhere that, far from this sport right. I mean, it's, right now. Um, it's first and foremost, it's great that your kids have got an interest. That's that's what you want them to have. They've they've got to have something that's their passion in their life, and the same as what we did. And um, you know, it's it's great to see him enjoying his Speedway so much because I can, you know, as I said, I see his posts all the time and. 
they they're 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 done with the passion and it's great to see absolutely well he he follows you and he follows seth quite closely too so he's you know if i miss i don't miss much because wilbur's he's constantly keeping me updated on everything so (laughs) yeah so you'll be you'll be you'll be heading back to europe pretty soon anyway so um, with, with wilbur Yeah, I mean, that's one thing with Seth doing what he's doing. It's it's a completely different field. It's it is so so different than Speedway, and um, the the education that he's going through with his riding, um, I've actually been through a, a huge education as well with with just basic things that we never really dealt with, you know. I'm, I'm dealing with brakes and brake pads and mm. leading brakes and this, you know, I've got no brake or suspension, man. I, you know, suspension. I used to go to bed as a speedway rider and have nightmares about belt springs. And now I go to bed having nightmares about suspension springs. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I love it. That's so great. <laughs> And poor Mel. And what about Mel, Mel's, dude? We're forgetting about Mel's poor Mel and like all of always, this. Like so she's, she's, she's so, you know, probably the best thing that happened to me in my life. And um, we're, we're, believe it or not, 23 years together already. So wow. um, it's... That's awesome. Yeah, I, I don't know what I... Good for I you guys, I don't think I would have been the person or the writer I, I was without her help and support all the way through. You know you know that that's something that many people say, but from from our point of view, with the life that we have and the, the travel, the, the stresses and all the shit that comes up along the way, you know, it's it's important to have that person with you. And, yeah, I've been very, very fortunate in that way. I can only echo your thoughts from my side too. Yeah. It's uh, it is the key to success for me, and it's the key to life. Yeah, as I know it, can imagine any other way. I remember, I even remember you and your in 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 your last years. You you made a comment to me uh, over the last couple of years of your race, and that you tried to get the family with you to every GP and every a lot of the events you could do to get them with yeah, you as much as we, possible. You know, and I understand still talk why. about. You know, as a family, I mean, Mia's, again, she's she's pretty much got her own life and she doesn't live here on the Gold Coast anymore. She's She lives in Melbourne and she does her own thing. She's a uni student um, doing wow. a, she's, she's doing a, a medical cool. degree at uni down there. And um, she's, you know, she's obviously a, a huge part of our family, but she's not with us every day. So we, you know, we enjoy her company when she gets back up here to see us and there's always stories come up about being somewhere having breakfast with somebody in a hotel at at a grand prix or you know something crazy that happened so you know you're (laughs) we mel was going through some stuff a little while ago and we found some great photos of of wilbur and seth from i i think it was gothenburg when they were hooning around on their little scooters and you know, you don't even recognize the kids. I remember now, that. You know. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So cool. 
those those periods then i mean and, and with with like with lee and declan and and all of them back in the day too they were you know there was this little gang my kids are always a little bit younger than yours your guys you started before i did but like they came in i remember them looking up yeah. to you guys like you know wanted to do what they yeah. were doing well it's just here's a it's funny so one cool. for you so cool seth had never ridden a speedway bike until probably about I'm going to say probably coming up to about 18 months, two years ago. He'd, he'd been racing his road bike for a, for a couple of years at that point. And we were heading, we were, we were going to South Australia down near Adelaide for a, for a soup, for a race weekend. And obviously my grandfather Crump is still, he's 90, 90 or 91. And um, obviously it's not so far away in Australian terms down there. So we, we, went a week early so we could call in and, and spend some time with a lot of our family down that way and josh waters and his brothers um said to me bring a speedway bike down and we'll go down to the salt lakes where we all used to practice and and have a ride so i took a speedway bike down there and everybody turned up to have a ride on the bike cool. and um declan hadn't ridden a speedway bike for for a few years and and he and Seth actually had a ride together that day, and it was it was pretty crazy to see them both out on a on a speedway bike. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude, that, that would have been uh, that would have been a Kodak see. moment. <laughs> How awesome! How awesome! Dude, you know what, Crumpy? We could go on and on and on, and I know that uh, you know it's obviously it's getting late for Steph and over in Sweden too. But, uh, dude, I, I really I hope that this whole virus thing goes out soon because I I really look forward to watching you shine in the UK again and uh, look forward to following you. I hope that I get to come and watch you and hang out with you a little bit at some point too because I I think it would be fun to uh, to do a recap and another podcast later in the year and then get your view on yeah on that'd be great Greg and as being a full time racer again. this year right so Mel and I actually planned on being over there for that even before yeah. I'd agreed to go back and ride so um, hopefully you can make it to that and we can catch up and um, maybe maybe go to some of the places that everybody else talked about in Cardiff that were great to go to. And I've never been to them. <laughs> I, I was just thinking if I should mention those places and I thought, no, maybe I shouldn't say anything. <laughs> I likewise do. You know what, Crumpy? I really thanks a lot for giving your time, dude. And I, it's, it's been a pleasure talking to you and dude, really good luck this year. Keep it on two wheels and, Again, I look no forward problem, to seeing the success that comes with it. Thank so, you, uh, and thank you, Stephen. Love and hugs for and, all you guys. Thank you. Yeah, let's do it again sometime. Thanks. That would be awesome. Absolutely, buddy. You take it easy, man, and we'll see you soon. Thanks. See Bye. You.